Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. What's up guys, this is the Monday Night Delight, Mance Chapel of the Delight Show, and you're listening to Fretzelmania, baby, only on Wrestle Addict Radio. What is going on, folks, and welcome to episode 105 of the Fretzelmania podcast, Wake Me Up. Today, I am reviewing No Way Out 2003 from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and we have come full circle, Nate, take a shot, from Elimination Chamber 2023, which also took place in La Belle Provence. The theme to this premium live event is Bring Me to Life by Evanescence featuring Paul McCoy from 12 Stones. And if 12 Stones sounds familiar, they did the Nexus theme. We are live from the Bell Center in Montreal in front of 16,125 fans with a 450,000 buy rate. This event is, of course, main evented by the highly anticipated rematch between The Rock and Hulk Hogan. The Big Show goes up against The Undertaker. Team Angle goes up against Brock Lesnar, Chris Benoit, and Edge in a six-person tag team match. Or do they? The World Heavyweight title is on the line as Scott Steiner once again challenges Triple H. And so so much more but first i gotta give a 20 bell salute to february 2003 and give you a glimpse into the pop culture of the time starting off in movies we have old school you know this is a a classic comedy this <laughs> This stars Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and Will Ferrell as depressed men in their 30s who seek to relive their college glory days by starting a fraternity and the wacky hijinks they encounter while doing so. You know, we've got Luke Wilson, Will Ferrell, Vince Vaughn, Jeremy Piven, Craig Kilborn, Sean William Scott, Alicia Cuthbert, Snoop Dogg makes an appearance here. Friggin' Andy Dick. I mean, come on. No. 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 Artie Lang makes a cameo in this movie. This is an absolute classic. It's been a long, long time since I've seen Old School. I'm definitely going to have to change that. I know it's very of its time. You know, it's got that American Pie kind of smell on it, especially with uh, Stifler 
in this movie, but it's it's actually very very good. Uh, I, it's a, it's one I'm gonna have to revisit. One I'm not going to revisit though is Daredevil. This is uh, Ben Affleck's first foray into superhero movies. This time on the Marvel side, we have Ben Affleck, of course, starring the the titular character. Uh, Matt Murdock. We got Jennifer Garner as Elektra. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin at the time was, to some people, was fairly controversial. But you know, I mean, looking back at, at it today, yeah, I mean, a character in the comics that was predominantly a large white man as being portrayed by a black man. Whatever, that's cool. Michael Clark Duncan's a big boy. I'll take it. This, of course, so had. Colin Farrell, it had John Favreau, Kevin Smith made a cameo in this movie. Yeah, Colin Farrell as Bullseye. I mean, that's that's okay. Favreau as as Foggy Nelson, yeah, and Kevin Smith. I think he has a cameo in here as uh, Jack Kirby or something like that. The soundtrack to this movie, whole oh, holy smokes! I mean, it had also a theme to this show. It had Evanescence, and it had. Just about everyone you can think of in uh, music at the time. All the new metal bands and all the rock bands and whatnot. And there was also The Jungle Book 2, a Disney sequel 36 years later. This time it wasn't straight to DVD, but it was actually in theaters. John Goodman played Blue because, of course, John Goodman played Blue. He has that kind of voice he has that kind of range and we also had cradle to the grave i believe one of the first uh, forays in acting by the late rapper dmx it was just uh it was just one of those movies you know like a gangster kind of movie i haven't seen it since 2003 i definitely rented it because hey, i kind of like dmx you know dmx is kind of cool in music i mean holy lord I mean, if you were a Christian in the early 2000s like I was, still am, folks, by the way, um, this was huge. Switchfoot's The Beautiful Letdown. Now, the Christian music industry, as um, tainted as it can be by certain people, uh, was very, very separate from the world. They didn't go out into the world to, you know, to, like, preach the gospel, to <clears throat> to make disciples, if you will. They stayed in their own little bubble and did their own little music festivals like Kingdom Bound at Six Flags, Darien Lake, New York, which I've been to. But I gotta admit, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. But the Switchfoot was Switchfoot John Foreman, uh, lead singer of that band. He was one of the first people who actually went out into the world but he was also one of the one of the few people who went out there and you know didn't um, really preach at people, didn't do the altar call. If you guys know what that is, you know, end of the concert, you're like, who wants to give their life to the Lord tonight? And you know, everyone goes up and you know, maybe means it. I don't know. I don't know their hearts, but yeah, Switchfoot was one of the first bands that went out and just they they su they succeeded mainstream and some. People in the Christian circles would call them a sellout. And, you know, they, oh, why are you going and touring with insert non-Christian band here? Well, because they're making a living, folks. That's that's why. You know, this, of course, had Meant to Live, Dare You to Move, 
uh, many other songs. This was a hit album. I, I think it went, it sold millions and millions of copies. I might still have it somewhere on MP3 format because I got rid of 99% of my CDs. I had one of those big fat, you know, CD wallets that you had in the car and you'd change it while driving and swerve. We're still distracted drivers today, folks, with the phones. I mean, come on, let's let's be real. Also in the Christian music scene, we had May, M-A-E, Destination Beautiful, another successful band, this time on the Tooth & Nail Records label. And if I just struck a nostalgia chord for you, Mance, maybe this will perk your ears up, but it was one of those from Tooth & Nail Records. You know, they, of course, had bands like like Thousand Foot Crutch, for example, and you know, another successful Christian band that was kind of mainstream a little bit, but you know, they were pretty good. I can't think of that too many of their songs at this point in time because I didn't really listen to May back in the day, but still fun. Uh, 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. I mean, come on, this is uh, this is in the club. We are right into uh, the career of 50 Cent. Uh, the Kings of Leon with Holy Roller and Novocaine. I think this might have been one of their first albums. About a year or so after this, I was working at a uh, die-cutting plastics factory just outside of my hometown. And uh, one of my co-workers, one of the managers there, was a big Kings of Leon fan. And no one knew who they were yet because uh, the Be Somebody, whatever that, that album was, uh, hadn't come out yet. And he's like, oh, hey, listen to this. Just take this home and listen to it. I'm like, yeah, I can dig it. They, I can dig it. It was pretty good. And one of the other big songs at the time was Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow Picture. I haven't listened to this song in like 20-odd years. I still know all the words to it because I used to sing it with a, with a female friend of mine, you know, a platonic one. And it, uh, yeah, it, it was just fun. Like we would be, I don't know, hanging out or the song would come on, we were driving and yeah, there you go. <laughs> In video games, there wasn't a lot going on here, but we had Command and Conquer uh, Generals. We had Unreal 2, you know, the Unreal Engine. You know, if, if you've heard that mentioned and oh yeah, look at what Ocarina of Time would look like on the Unreal Engine. And by the way, oh my gosh, it blows the 3DS um, reimagining of OOT out of the water. This is where that would come from. And Splinter Cell, you know, just, just another FPS game. To me, it's no different than, uh, than Halo or I can't think of the... Call of Duty, why did that just leave my brain? I'm leaving that in, by the way. I'm leaving that in because I'm recording this at 9 in the morning and I had just finished my coffee, so my brain cells have slowly began to regenerate. Yeah, and that is your glimpse into the pop culture of February 2003. What do you remember from this point in time? What were you doing in February 2003? I was finishing off my senior year of high school. You know, those of you listening from Ontario, uh, Slack, you might remember this. Uh, Danny, you might remember this, although both of you might be a little bit too young. But I went through grade 13, also known as OAC. 
because I had ambitions to go to college or university after this, you know, take some time off, find a job and make some money. And I didn't go to college until 2008 when I was in my mid-20s. But anyways, yeah, this event, oh, it was sold out. I already gave you all the reports from it. Uh, Sunday Night Heat, before before this event went live, had Rey Mysterio defeating Jamie Noble. Barry the King, Lawler, and Jonathan Coachman are here on commentary as Jim Ross is selling injuries he suffered in a no disqualification match with Eric Bischoff on Monday Night Raw the previous week. You know, because JR is good buddies with Stone Cold and Eric Bischoff is just taking advantage of uh, good old JR here and just being a power-hungry dick about this whole thing. So JR's not here tonight. <clears throat> Spoiler alert until later. And we have our opening contest between Jeff Hardy and Chris Jericho. And hearing the Fink announce, ah, man, just it just warms my heart because Fink's the goat of ring announcers. I'm, and I'm talking about all, all sports. I mean, he's up there with Michael Buffer, who, let's, let's be real. I mean, Michael Buffer's overrated. Bruce Buffer's kind of overrated. You know, they're only known for the let's get ready to rumble. And and their deep voice tone. Fink's just great. I mean, he worked for the for the WWE for at, at least until the last few years of his life. I mean, legend. Every time I hear the Fink, if I've even if I'm going back further than this. I love it. So this match here featured uh, Jeff Hardy in his um, his I don't care phase. Basically, you know, he was actually no showing some events. He was very close to being fired. I mean, it would be only a few months after this that Jeff would be released from his contract for the first time. So in, in this match here, uh, HBK is to be banned from ringside as per request from Chris Jericho. Well, obviously, because Chris Jericho would be the babyface in Canada. We are only five years away from the Montreal screw job, and uh, Montreal is still kind of harboring resentment for HBK. And it is noted here that this is the first pay-per-view in Montreal since 1997, and I believe this past week's Elimination Chamber was the first premium live event since No Way Out 03, if if I'm not mistaken. And if I can quickly give you my thoughts on Elimination Chamber, my lord, that was a good show. And those are my thoughts on Elimination Chamber, because I'm not reviewing that show today. I was going to do a twofer, but this is going to run a, a little bit here. <clears throat> so Jeff kicks off this one, with a spagingo back body drop. Ding. A really sloppy looking head scissors. We hear pretty loud Y2J chants in the bell center. Jeff does this really nice top rope hip toss, you know, after he is slammed into the steps. The swanton attempt or the swanton bomb gets booed. And as I always say, 
in Canada, we love our own. You know, I was watching Elimination Chamber on a PlayStation party over the headset with uh, King Ricky and Sir Charles. Shout out to those two. And that's, you know, that's the gist that I gave him. It's like, you know, Natty got the big pop at, at the chamber. You know, Sammy gets a huge pop because he's from Laval, Quebec, which is not too far from, from Montreal. We get a line salt. We get a top rope power bomb. The walls of Jericho. And eventually, Jeff Hardy taps out. Chris Jericho then holds on to the walls for an extended period of time. You know, if he's not careful, the ref is going to reverse the decision. But oh no, here comes Shawn Michaels. You hear booze rain down the bell center before he comes to the ring. He bolts. He starts hitting Chris Jericho. Christian comes in to even the odds to jump in. He gets a pop. We see a double DDT attempt by them. Christian gets super kicked, and HBK gets mega, mega heat. I mean, Quebec holds a grudge. Canada, yeah, we hold a grudge up here in Canada, folks. Let's let's be real. I mean, I've been a Leafs fan since maybe 1990, and yeah, we still hold a grudge against uh, referee Kerry Fraser for not calling a high stick on Wayne Gretzky in the 1993 Conference Finals against the LA Creech. Anyways, Kurt Angle is giving Team Angle a pep talk ahead of their, in parentheses, six-man tag team match. It's like, you know, we're in Canada, filled with bitter people. Bitter because they don't have any Olympic heroes. Kurt, we just won the Olympic gold medal in hockey by the time this event aired. So this was pre Sidney Crosby, pre Golden Gold 2010, Vancouver. Jerome McGinley and whoever those skaters were from 02. I don't know who our Olympians are. I'm a hockey guy, okay? So let's just say Jerome McGinley is an Olympic hero. Our next contest is for the Raw Tag Team Championship, having RVD and Kane, a strange bedfellow tag team, Willie T, going up against Lance Storm and William Regal, the remnants of the Un-Americans. We see a panning shot outside of Saint-Rebel. We see the parking lot, we see the snow, and we see a black pickup truck. That gets a pop because you know what that means. Steve Austin is in the house. Lance Storm gets a big pop because, if I can be serious for a minute, we love our very own. William Regal, we're like, okay, yeah, you're a Brit. You're, you're fine. You're, but we still don't like you because, you know. So RVD has a monkey flip. Kane has an elbow. The crowd is loud and loves RVD. You know, the last WWE house show I went to was actually this year, 03. And in that small venue in Oshawa, RVD also got a big pop. He tagged with Kane. 
on that show too. So Arvad Dan with a leg drop. A five-star frog splash is denied and is thrown into the barrier. And this is where I started hearing the vuvuzel, is hearing the the air horns, the and I thought I was in a UK footy match for a second. Lance with a DDT, and the way RVD sells DDTs is just ugh, it just chef's kiss, but it also makes my fused spine twitch just a little bit. And here in a two count without a sweet at the end of it. Oh, oh, how I missed that. Uh, I hate wrestling fans sometimes. Although, yes, I did do the two sweet at AEW in Toronto because, come on, I'm a mark, okay? Okay. RVD is getting worked over until the big red machine himself gets the hot tag. And in amongst the chaos, in amongst the schmas here... Lance Storm is trying to rip Kane, rip Kane's mask off. We're trying to obscure his vision and move his mask around, and that caused Kane to choke slam RVD because RVD was uh, kind of in front of him, and Kane must have thought he was Lance Storm because he choke slammed him inadvertently costing his team the Tag Team Championships, and still your Raw Tag Team Champions, Lance Storm and William Regal. Backstage, Matt Hardy, version 1, runs into Brother Nero. Yes. And you can clearly see here that uh, the machine is behind V1, that he is on his way up the card, and that Jeff Hardy is on his way down the card. And he says to Jeff, Mattitude is a frame of mind, and if you weren't so wrapped up in your, mo in your own imagination, you wouldn't lose. Slap right in the face. Next up for the Cruiserweight Championship, we have Billy Kidman versus Matt Hardy version 1. And today's Matt Facts are Matt is annoyed by snow and ice. And Matt takes hot tea with milk and sweetener. And this is when I wrote down in brackets, makes tea too. So I probably went and made a green tea when I was watching when I was watching this. So Matt Hardy, he's doing jumping jacks because he is still making sure he is at the 220 pound weight limit. It's kind of funny looking back on this because, you know, we had 205 live for a little bit in time, and 205 was the weight limit. And I think some other cruiserweight divisions either had it at like 225, 215, or something like that. But it's, it's kind of fun looking back at this. So Taz then talks about nut butter, <clears throat> giggity, for some reason. Matt Hardy lands the yodeling leg drop. A twist of fate was reversed into a drop kick by Billy. Billy then lands a plancha. The twist of fate is once again denied by Billy Kidman, allowing him to roll him up for a two-count side effect by Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy is then knocked off the apron by Billy, who is going for a shooting star press. And then Shannon Moore grabs Kidman's leg, and this distraction allows V1 to land the top rope twist of fate to win the Cruiserweight Championship. Backstage... Edge is found unconscious. 
So that means he might not be in this match. Is he going to be replaced? Is it going to be a handicap tag team match? It's it's going to be the latter. It's it's that. Next up here is oh boy, yes. the Big Show versus the Undertaker. Uh, we're finally at this match. You know, I thought they were going to save this for for WrestleMania, but we're going to get something at WrestleMania, and it ain't going to be uh, it ain't going to be that quite. This is a very, very plodding match, very slow. Uh, I thought this was the match where Big Show was doing the 10 punches in the corner and then got last ride for his troubles, but that's a different time. That's a different pay-per-view even. I, f I forget, but it's a slow, plodding, terrible match. Uh, A-Train tries to interfere on the outside, and uh, Taker launches himself over the top rope. He didn't almost die and land on his head like that time at WrestleMania when he crushed Sim Snuka. Big Show lands the showstopper chokeslam. This match is going to be done and dusted, but oh wait, Taker was playing possum because he's a dead man, you see. And as the Big Show was going for the cover, Taker locks in the Hell's Gate and wins this match. He then gets a chair because he wants to get a measure of revenge from the Big Show because, lest we forget, the Big Show threw The Undertaker off the stage on a SmackDown, but A-Train gets involved here, lands the derailer, and this feud must continue. Edge is taken away on a stretcher, and it is decided that this is going to be a handicap match. Backstage, Vince McMahon surprises Eric Bischoff and Chief Morley by dropping in their office, saying, you know, what kind of match are you going to have with Stone Cold Steve Austin tonight? Is it going to be a no-holds-barred match? Is it going to be a lumberjack match? After your little karate demonstration on JR on Monday Night Raw, I see it as a one-on-one -on -one match. And if anyone, anyone interferes, I will fire them on the spot. Next up is Team Angle, Kurt Angle, Charlie Haas, and Shelton Benjamin against Chris Benoit and Brock Lesnar in a handicap match. And I have Edge's book, uh, Adam Copeland on Edge, which seriously needs a sequel, needs to catch up, because this book leaves off in about 0405. And a read, uh, reading from one of the chapters in his book, he said that his neck was so bad that if he took another bump, he'd be in a wheelchair. And that's a scary parallel, because some eight years after this, he'd be forced to retire, at least for a little while, because of... The same thing, if he took another bump in, I think, 2011, he'd be effed. And just the other day on Monday Night Raw in Ottawa, he had a belter with Austin Theory. I mean, last year in the Royal Rumble, he won from the number one spot. Was that last year? The year before? I think that was the, uh, the Thunderdome Rumble. Anyways, it's amazing to see how far you know, neck and back and fusion treatments have have come over the years. You know, 
y'all know I did spi- I took spinal fusion. I had to get it when I was 15 because my scoliosis was progressing so rapidly that I would I'd probably be in a wheelchair if I didn't get it done. I might not even be here today if I didn't get it done. I'm not entirely sure. I wasn't privy to the severity of it because frankly it would have given me hardcore anxiety. Is <laughs> the day I was going in for my surgery, I was so ramped up and flying off the wall that my mom told my doctor to give me some sedative like this tastes like chocolate water to calm me down and I didn't even see the OR once they laid me on the stretcher I was out and I woke up in intensive care to my parents because you know it was 10 and a half hours later I had my metal back and man, if if I had to get any more treatment today for it, I would be thankful because the technology and everything has just increased and gotten so much better. And it gives me hope for the future for people who have to get neck and back fusions and whatnot. Anyways, man, just Edge's book, he'd be effed. And it's a good book, by the way. You should should pick it up. But uh, Kurt's neck at this point in time was also hanging on by a thread. He wouldn't be around for much longer, although his recovery time was way shorter. I think he got a different treatment done than Edge did, but maybe Edge's injuries were more severe. And well, Edge probably wasn't taking Vicodin with it because Kurt Angle, well, you know, he had his vices. And of course, we get the you suck what chance. Because, screw wrestling crowds, man. Just seriously. Sign of the night, and quite possibly one of the best signs of all time. F8, Canadian exchange rate. Our dollar has always been absolute shit. Especially in 03, it was bad. But my lord, that's that's one of the most clever signs of all time. Can of Coke to you, sir or madam, or whoever had that sign. Immediately here, Charlie Haas press slams. No, Brock Lesnar press slams Charlie Haas. We see, we hear Taz asking, What's Pinook, Michael Cole? Oh, Taz, come with me down the road. We're going to go to Tim Hortons. We're going to sit down. We're going to have some coffee. We're going to have a couple of donuts. Then I'll take you down the road to a restaurant and get some poutine. That's poutine for you uncultured folks. And maybe for dessert we'll have a beaver tail. And then, sir, you will learn what a Canuck is. This match breaks out into a schmoz. We see a really, really nice spot. Excuse me, where Kurt Angle has a rear naked choke on Brock Lesnar and Shelton Benjamin just super kicks Brock right in the face. Brock outpowers this, but Kurt Angle continues to keep the grapevine locked on the beast. Benoit lands the hot tag and we get German suplexes for all. Kurt Angle is does that does that really nice spot where he does that 
jumping superplex while someone's on the top rope and he leaps up and yeets them over over himself. Ah, so good, man. Benoit is being worked over now as we prepare for Lesnar's hot tag and he yeets everybody. The F-Fave on Kurt Angle is denied. We're saving that spot for a little bit later in the feud. Benoit Germans Haas. The ankle lock is on Benoit and he reverses to a crossface. Reverse, 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 reverse. And my lord, just a great exchange here by these two beasts who just a month before put on the match of the year of 2003. Well, at least in the WWE, because at this point in time, Ring of Honor was putting on absolute belters. Eventually, Charlie Haas taps out to the crossface, and the babyfaces win this match. Next for the world heavyweight title is Scott Steiner versus Triple H. Oh. Do I have to talk about this one? Do I really have to talk about this one? This is copy and paste from Royal Rumble 03, except Dropfoot Steiner is even worse in this match. This match is getting booed. Steiner is getting booed. This is getting boring and this match sucks, Chance. This match is getting more heat than if someone in the crowd was wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. We see a super Samoan drop, but Ric Flair grabs grabs the foot, allowing a two count, not a three count. The Steiner recliner is about to be applied, but here come Randy and Batista because, oh yes, evolution is a thing at this point in time. Orton has returned from injury. Batista has been drafted to Raw. Ric Flair has been accompanying Triple H. Oh, we're here, folks. Oh, we're in for the reign of terror. Evolution is then eventually ejected, and this distraction allows Ric Flair to belt shot Steiner in the face. Two count, but then Triple H, lol, pedigree immediately, wins this match and Thankfully, thankfully, it's over. Backstage, Eric Bischoff walks past the entire Raw roster watching on a little bitty monitor while Tess laughs at him, saying, <laughs> Good luck, Bischoff. Which means our next contest is Eric Bischoff versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is Steve Austin's return to the WWE. He hadn't been seen. Since he, you know, he took his ball and went home since he had a creative disagreement about having an unadvertised, not built up match with Brock Lesnar. And well, yeah, that's I get it. That's a that's a very good reason to to do that. You know, this is a this is the next big thing going up against the biggest star in the history of your company with no build. That's a match that you... That's the SummerSlam match. That's the SummerSlam match that we could have had. Right there. For the title or not for the title. So I, I agree there. I'm with Stone Cold Steve Austin. This isn't like... You know, Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out. You know, I... Yeah. Like, I, I didn't like that. But this... I think this might be... Justifiable. You know, he had been on WWE Confidential talking to JR before this. And then eventually, you know, 
this led to things happening and things being patched up. And unfortunately, this would be one of the last few matches Steve would have in his career, well, at least until WrestleMania last year with Kevin Owens, which I still can't believe that was a, that 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 was good shit. We then hear Boomer Sooner over over the airwaves here over the loudspeakers at the Bell Center. And JR is back with a big bandage on his head, selling the kicks and the damage that he took from Bischoff. JR wouldn't miss this for the world. I came here to see a man get his ass whipped. Bischoff comes out and grabs the mic and says, We still, Steve, we still have time to do the right thing and forfeit this match. Glass shatters. Crowd erupts. I mean, I've never been in the building for a glass glass shatter pop because the last time I saw Steve Austin was when he was feuding with the Hart family. Well, seeing Steve Austin live, I mean. And the uh, intercom at the Barry Molson Center didn't have the glass shatter. They just had the da-na-na-na. I guess they didn't have the right technology anyways here. Bischoff wants to talk, not fight. Steve Austin just unloads and opens a can of whoop-ass on Eric Bischoff. This is a long time coming for him. He stomps a mud hole in him and, say it with me, kids, walks it dry. This is a prolonged ass-kicking, a prolonged beating all over ringside, in and out of the ring. Eventually, kick, stunner, one, two, no. Steve grabs Eric Bischoff's arms like, nah, we're not done. He starts toying with him. Another stunner. One, two. We're not done here yet, folks. A third stunner. Boom. He finally wins this match. JR is screaming up, Stow cold! Stow cold! Lots of celebrating. There's some beers there. And for good measure, after the match, a fourth stunner and... Then he leaves. And then he goes back in the ring again, poses for the crowd, and leaves again. Just, this was fun. I mean, wrestling's supposed to be fun, folks. Let's be real. Let's not take it way too seriously, you know, because as Van Wilder would say later in 2003, you know, don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. Just my lord. And that was my graduation quote, by the way. <laughs> ah, good stuff. And now it's time for the main event of the evening. The Rock versus Hulk Hogan 2. And this is the debut of Hollywood Rock's legendary Tron. That long overhead shot, the helicopter, the little ambient music, the hmm the very slow synth then right into his actual theme now this doesn't have the bit in it yet because this was the dry run this was the first it had a lot of if you smell if you smell if you smell which eventually got cut from it because i mean it's it's kind of annoying that kind of sucks and oh my lord the heat that the rock came out to in this one because montreal loves Hulk Hogan, but man, Rock here, capitalizing on his new 
heel Hollywood persona. Ironic, given that, you know, one of Hulk Hogan's former aliases is Hollywood Hulk Hogan. We then see a Rocket Jabroni sign. We see a Tofu sign. And, man, this is 11 months from their Skydome encounter in Toronto at WrestleMania X8. The referee for this match is Sylvain Grane. Ah, tabernacles. Sylvain Grane of La Resistance, who had just been coming up from developmental at this point in time. He had been refereeing a little bit, but... Oh, no. No, we're, we're in for a screw job, aren't we? This match is a lot of theatrics. It's a lot of posing. It's a lot of stalling. It's a lot of shenanigans, if you will. The Rock knocks Hulk Hogan out of the ring. He then puts on Hogan's bandana and takes off his Hogan's uh, weight belt, whips him with his own belt. And then for extra measure and extra heat, he locks in the sharpshooter, which gets all of the booze raining down on him. We remember Montreal. We remember this. No. Oh, man. Then Hulk Hogan chairs the rock. I guess this is no disqualification. That or Savon Grenier doesn't have the grapefruits to disqualify Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, with the spine buster, does the people's elbow twice. And on the, th- the second elbow drop, he mocks Hulk Hogan. Of course, that's a kick out. We see a Hulk up. One, two, three, boot. Leg drop, one, two, lights go out. Everyone's down, and there's a chair in the ring. Vince comes out the ringside, and Sylvain Grenier slips the rock the chair, belts Hulkster with it, rock bottom, and the rock wins this match. How about a knack? We have another... Montreal screw job because you gotta push that button every time that you come to Quebec. Hell, every time you come to Canada, you gotta do some kind of screw job. Vince McMahon then attacks Hulk Hogan, uh, mocking him, ripping off his shirt to a modified Hulk Hogan shirt, like you know, like Shane McMahon would would do he would modify like the the stone cold steve austin jersey and be like you know instead of austin 316 it's like mcmahon 620 or something like that and over the hulkamania logo it said brother suck shout out to the ruthless aggression podcast for that one because you know that's your your brother sucks (laughs) moment of the night and on the back it's like you know the what you gonna do? And over that, it says nothing. I don't know why that tickled me so much, but that was funny, and that's how we go out from the way out 2003. We are building to WrestleMania 19, and I got a few bumps in the road before I get there, and uh, I've invited Nate the effing great to be on for my WrestleMania review, and since we're both listeners and supporters of the Ruthless Aggression podcast. 
we're just going to go all out. We're It's going to be classic Game Changer podcast shenanigans on that one. So probably by early April, you can expect that show because it's, it's a great road to WrestleMania here. And their match at Mania, I, I remember liking at the time. And I haven't seen it too many times since. But man, uh, we're finally building this major angle that's been in the works for a long time long time so folks that'll do it for this episode of the fretzelmania podcast right here on wrestle attic with me say it with me folks the cure for the common wrestling podcast follow me on all my social medias at fretzelmania that's f-r-e-t-z-l-e mania and listen to the rest of us on wrestle attic radio follow us on twitter at addict underscore wrestle wrestle attic radio on Instagram, TikTok, and everywhere else. Listen to Nate the Evan Great's journey into Impact Wrestling with Brace for Impact. And we are right in the Russo era. We're in mid-2007, and folks, that's a, that's a heck of a ride right there. Streaming every Wednesday night is The Kings of the Rings podcast. Willie T, and King Ricky Rose, our general manager. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, give or take. We have them talking about all the goings-on in the world of pro wrestling. Yes, folks, it is during Dynamite, but let's be real. Dynamite's been kind of mid lately, so you can put Dynamite on TV, low volume, get your laptop, get your phone, whatever device you use to watch stuff with, and watch Willie T... And Ricky talk about wrestling. We're in the Friends of the Show era. You know, Agent K Murphy in their Legends contract. Shout out to K. So we had Smiley on last week. Smiley was a good time. Who else? Well, Mance was on there a little while ago as well. You know, I'm probably going to make my way back on that show eventually. Uh, Ricky, this is your this is your invitation to invite me. <laughs> yes. And of course, I can't forget kicking off your weekend right. That means kicking off your weekend in proper YLP fashion. With the Young Lions perspective and Mr. YLP himself. So please do that. We have a Discord, folks. Join our Discord. We share all the memes, and all the, all the jokes, and our lives. As well, we got merch. Check out all the links in the description below. And folks, we will see you next time on the road to Fretzelmania, Wrestlemania, Pretzelmania. Keep your stick on the ice.